Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. I got a fun co-host and a bunch of cool stuff to talk about. But first, there was something I wanted to discuss, and I really wanted to put it first in line so that maybe people wouldn't skip over it. So it's almost like a PSA or something. So if you wouldn't mind, um, please listen to what I'm about to say, because I feel like it's important to everybody in the gaming community, because we all have to buy used stuff. So Voltar just posted another video about correcting bad mod work that he found on eBay. Uh, One of his customers sent him something to repair, and the original modder was who I would consider the most notorious eBay modder, Crayola the Crayon King, a.k.a. Kevin Smith. Now, I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, and in fact, I did three or four times and then ended up deleting the segment right before I made the podcast live, because I really, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it without it sounding like an attack. I didn't want it to be a he said, she said, and I sure as hell don't want people to think I was just blindly taking sides, because anybody that watches the Retro Roundtable knows that even though we're all friends, we have no problem pointing our finger where not, you know, when the time is correct. But uh, Kevin's response to the video spoke for itself, so I'll post screenshots in case he deletes or, uh, or tries to change it or something, but um, he has confirmed all of the things that I've been saying over the years. He sells his SNES Mini boards wrong. He has the wrong resistors on them. And while they will not ruin your console or anything, you will get a bad or a less quality picture than you could have. And he says right there in his post that um, he did it because uh, he thinks it looks better and it's the same because it's too bright without them. No, we've done years of research showing that you use 75 ohm resistors on the outside and you attenuate on the input side. But he doesn't care. He could give a shit about anybody else. He just does whatever he wants. And now I know this might be off-putting to some people, but please remember this is years coming. So I'm not just slinging mud and please stick with me here. So we have a problem in that I don't know how to deal with these people. And I sure as hell don't want to be the eBay police, and I don't think anybody really should. But this is an issue, because not only do we have these people selling this crap, we have a lot of customers blindly defending them. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten from people that said, Hey, I heard you mentioned bad eBay modders. I just want to let you know I bought from Crayola the Crayon King, and uh, my experience was great. He was really nice. And I always reply, well, look, you might want to actually open that console up uh, and just check out what's inside. uh, Because, I mean, I really don't think you're going to be pleased with the results. I'd say about 99% of the people I say that to come back with, oh, wow, I didn't even open it. Or, you know, holy crap, I would have never thought. Thank you for letting me know. But there is the 1% that comes back, hey, fuck you, don't fucking tell me about what I bought. This thing's been working perfect. Who the fuck are you to... It's just... I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say to that at all. Uh, So that's another reason I was kind of hesitating. But I I honestly, I have no idea how to deal with this stuff. Um, He and Draken are the same. They're not literally the same person, but I don't think. But I mean, they're they're identical in every way. And Draken's another one where I've deleted that out of interviews. I had a whole 15-minute rant about him in an interview. And uh, after the interview was over, I asked permission for who I was talking to if I could keep that in there. And they said, yes, people need to hear these things. And I took it out because I didn't want it to be a slander campaign. But it's the same thing. They both won't take criticism. They both just post these long bullshit rants about the same crap over and over and they both do terrible mod work and have just no desire to fix what they've done all they want to do is tell you that they're right everybody else is wrong and kevin in this instance even posts that he's not uh, he doesn't know how to do any of this stuff he's just kind of poking around and figuring it out on his own and while i absolutely love that because that's personally how i learn by the way i don't know maybe i have a learning to ability or something, but I gotta do before I research. I can't research before I do. The difference is, I don't just fumble around and then start selling and modding consoles. You know, I talk to people who are way smarter than me, and I get into the good arguments with them. And hell, I've done a lot of it live on the Retro Roundtable. So, you know, I'm certainly not coming down upon people for, for doing things this way. But this guy does garbage mod work. To the point where 
you know, a lot of it, if somebody had said, hey, look at my mod that I did, I'd say, hey, great, but, you know, you might want to practice some more and redo it. And some of it, like this last one, using freaking phone cable inside a NES, people pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the years for this crap, and it's garbage. So I don't, you know, Voltar got a little nitpicky about the placement of the AV ports and stuff like that. Skip past that and watch the rest of the video about the rest of the stuff. Because, I mean, it's just, these people are just taking money and then just doing as they feel they please. They're not taking any criticism from anybody, even though lots try to help. And then, you know, and then they just don't even care afterwards. They try to blame it on everybody else. You know, the one exception to the rule, I think, might be Dujan Dance. And I don't know, but I just, I feel like there's a huge language barrier there. And I feel like until Voltar put out that video, and, uh, and Jason from GameTech and a few others, um, until those videos were released, I don't think he understood that what he was doing was bad and that people were having a lot of trouble. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe he, you could group him into those others. Uh, but Dujan Dance is an absolute success story because he changed his mod work once he saw that people were not liking it because it was having problems and causing issues. He changed, so I certainly wouldn't put him in those categories. Uh, another notorious one is OG Hugo. And I, that's another, it's the same exact as Crayola Experience, where I've had so many people email me about that. I've, I've just always responded, you might want to open it up. Some people never respond, some people give me the fuck you Bob email, but most open it up and go, holy shit. And everyone, regardless of whether they, they blame me, uh, they blame themselves, whether they're happy, they're sad, everyone says the same thing. Well, why do these people have perfect eBay feedback? And that's your fault. Now, go ahead, flame me, scream and yell, whatever else. I understand that many people, myself included, a few years ago, might have just bought something off of eBay because the description was great and, uh, you know, it looked cool. But I've learned that you need to open these things up and you need to check. You need to ask for pictures before you purchase the mod. And I understand that many people might not know to ask for those things because, you know, maybe people talk a good game or something. Like all the people that use my pictures from my website that are watermarked of my mod work and put it on their eBay auctions. Screw all those people. So they have, you know, they have people linking back to reputable sites, other people's videos, and they buy it and it's garbage. You guys need to be the ones to police your own consoles. Buy something don't be afraid to leave negative feedback. Don't be afraid to call eBay and say, hey, this guy sold me something bad. I want my money back. you got to stand up for yourselves. And I know it's easy for me to say because I'm the fat kid that always stood up to the bullies. Be me. Be the angry fat kid. Call, call eBay. Call. Put a stop to this bullshit. And as far as, you know, arguing with these people, don't, because there's no, there's absolutely no point. Just read Kevin's responses. Go find that post on Schmups where Draken just posts the same thing over and over, and then goes back and changes something, and then goes, and he starts talking about the thing that he changed as if it was always that way. So I don't understand, uh, I mean, I just don't understand how to deal with this other than we have to police our own community we got to try to find a way to either get these people to change or get them the hell out. Uh, somebody on the Schmups forum needs to lock that stupid thread that keeps going around in circles. Does that forum even have an admin anymore? That shit would never fly on my forum that's opening soon. Shameless plug. But seriously, I mean, it's just, we got to deal with it. And the other thing is, I don't know how to deal with these people personally. Because it's very easy for me in person. If somebody is going through this huge bullshit argument, I could just get up and walk away. But if they're continuously emailing and they're continuously posting, and especially if they're good writers, they could very easily make people turn on you because people will think, you know, oh, well, you know, of course, why, why wouldn't I disagree with this guy? And I just, I don't know what it is. Is Draken and Kevin just raging assholes? Do they have mental issues? And if so, at this point, does it even matter? I use an analogy all the time. You know, if I'm if I'm walking up the stairs at the subway and there's a dude with one leg hopping up the stairs in front of me, I would never think, oh, fucking, oh, now I'm going to be late. I would just mind my business, let the dude do his thing and be done with it. But if that same one-legged man tried to steal from me or attack me or something, fuck him. He's no longer disabled. He's just a thief. 
So, you know, a lot of people come down with me, come down hard on me, actually, for even mentioning the fact that mental illness might be involved. But, I mean, read some of these posts. If these dudes are legit nuts, how do we deal with that then? You know, do we actually... Like, it's not my business, I'm not a psychiatrist, but at the same time, they're ripping people off. So, you know, I was really terrified to post a video like this for a long time because I was afraid I was going to lose followers or people were going to take it the wrong way. But at this point, after over a year of these podcasts and pouring my heart into my website, my eBay, even the, I was about to say YouTube, but even the crap I sell on eBay, every time there's a problem, I bend over backwards to fix it. There's even a story about that later in the podcast too. A good positive story, by the way. Uh, But like, I just, if anybody's really offended at me for this, maybe you just want to unsubscribe and go somewhere else for your content. You know, go go watch uh, another video that people are afraid to talk about what's really going on, like I was up until now. So um, I had to take down the Trusted Modders page off of my website because a lot of people uh, came down on me, rightfully so, because having a Trusted Modders page is an accidental slap in the face to all the great modders out there that I just don't know. Um, And, you know, I'm really sorry about that. I wish there was an easy way to figure it out. Maybe we'll figure that out in the new forums that that are coming up so people could actually interact and talk with each other about this. But if, I've been asked for years who to stay away from. Um, Draken, as far as I know, doesn't sell anymore. He just posts batshit crazy stuff all over the internet. I, For the record, before anybody comes down to me for that, I offered many times to get him on the podcast and give him his fair chance. And the only thing I told him was that I will allow you to say whatever you want, but don't forget that I was there for a lot of this. So you can't, if you're going to lie, don't forget that I know and was there and have the screenshots. He completely blew that off and then immediately went and started posting shit about me. Um, so I wouldn't worry about him so much anymore. Crayola the Cran King, uh, don't ever buy anything off of that guy. Um, his boards aren't great. Uh, I think the N64 one's okay, but uh, I mean, the SNES one's built wrong. His mods are garbage, but more importantly than any of that, he doesn't give a shit about anybody, about making it better, about improving, about listening to criticism. What you see now is probably what you're always going to get. Um, OG Hugo is absolutely terrible as well. I've had no dealings with him because I don't want to have anything to do with that dude. You just Google his name and all of this awfulness will appear of all crap he's done over the years. My personal favorite being where he, uh, he glued in a composite video to HDMI converter inside a Genesis and called it an HDMI Genesis. That one was my favorite. Um, and Dujan Dance? I mean, I'm giving that guy another chance. Uh, I, he just emailed me the other day and asked if I wanted to buy one of his 3DO boards, and I said yes. I mean, the guy seems like, you know, like I said, there's a language barrier, but he seems like he cares. I don't know how to handle the hundreds of systems that he already modded. I, I honestly don't know how the best way to approach that is. But if somebody's willing to just learn and do better, I mean, it's everybody deserves a second chance. So this was a very long rant. Uh, I hope everybody made it through, and because I hope everybody realized how really important this stuff is. But stay away from the garbage modders. Do not be afraid to report bad eBay modders. To you know, to send negative feedback if it's a situation like this. You know, don't just don't be afraid to stand up for yourselves. And on the other side of things, the very positive side of things, there are great people selling on eBay that are fair prices. Uh, you know, Jody, the guy who donated the Genesis a couple months ago, he sells primarily on eBay just because he doesn't want to have to start up another web store and deal with anything international. And I think it's, you know, I think it's a perfectly good reason. And his consoles were freaking awesome. So just don't discount everybody on eBay, but ask for pictures. Google their screen name. Maybe something's going to come up on a forum. But, I mean, don't don't get mad at the people that are trying to help. You know, a lot of people came down on Voltar for that Dujan Dance video, and I personally believe that that video is the number one reason that Dujan Dance changed his whole modding thing. So, you know, don't blame the people that are trying to help, even if some of them are more colorful than others. Just let's get to the root of the problem, and feel free to discuss it below. And as always, you know, I'll take criticism both ways, and I'm happy to hear if I'm wrong about this. But I I feel very, 
very strongly about all these things. And, you know, as soon as this goes live, I guarantee you, you know, this is a 15-minute rant. Two minutes after it goes live, Crayola's going to post down below something, some long, horrible bullshit, because these people don't listen and they don't care. So to all of those people that have been trying to fuck everybody over over all of these years and have stolen money and ruined consoles because of this crap, I mean, just fuck all of you. And to all those people that blindly defend them just because they're so afraid that maybe they spent their money on something else, you're in their same category, too, because you're part of the problem. You're only, like, less than 1%, I would think, but whatever. But to everybody else that's out there, let's help each other just as much as we've always done. Because, you know, the loudest voice isn't always the majority. Usually it's either, you know, falls all the way to one side. The majority of us are just people that really care and are really trying to do better and, and really help everybody. So, sorry for the long rant. I hope everybody really took it seriously and made it to the end. Post down below, uh, and if you hate me for having the balls to actually come out and talk about this stuff, delete your subscription. Okay, guys, I am here with Russ Lyman. How's it going, man? What's up? So, uh, Russ works at Retro Games Plus, one of my favorite game stores out there, and uh, you work at the Orange Office, right? Yep. Orange Branch, whatever you want to freaking call it. Uh, and you have your own YouTube channel where you go over a lot of retro gaming stuff, right? Absolutely, yep. I've been uh, doing the YouTube thing for quite some time now, and it's been taking off a lot this past year. I think I even had a very quick little guest pop in on one of them, I believe. <laughs> yeah, because I shoot vlog videos at the retro video game store I work at, and I believe you were in the background interviewing Chris, and uh, I had my camera going too, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a fun interview, actually. I like Chris a lot, so that was good shit. Nice. So you guys have the Retro World Expo coming up uh, this Saturday, right? Yeah. Is it Saturday and Sunday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday? It's Saturday, Sunday. Load-in is going to be Friday for the vendors and stuff like that. Gotcha. I will be speaking with Wes from Second Opinion Games on Sunday at 11 a.m., and I imagine you're probably going to be there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually doing a panel at 2 o'clock on Sunday. They're doing a local YouTubers panel. Oh. Uh, so it's going to be me, Mike Levy, um, Mike Tendo, most people know him as, and Culture Dog, and I believe uh, John Delia from uh, RetroWare is going to be there as well for the panel. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be sticking around for all of that, so I'm really looking forward to it. But um, I've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I just figured, like, what was the more perfect time than this, right? You know, right, right. get to promote the <laughs> Retro World Expo, which is I'm a huge fan of, get to promote Chris's stores, and, uh, and you know, obviously your YouTube channel as well. Nice. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, you know, crack open a, a beer if you got them. I, uh, I got the good stuff this time. People were coming down on me because I, uh, I was a little cheap and bought PBR last week. So, Just got water. <laughs> hey, good enough. And uh, I guess let's jump right into it. All right. All right, so I want to start out with kind of a, a fun story because uh, I opened the podcast before you with a not fun story. Uh, I didn't want you to be on that because I didn't want you to be associated with that at all, but uh, let's start with a happy one. Okay. Um, so I had uh, I had uh, was selling all of my doubles of things and all my extras to try to get more funds in, and uh, one of the things I sold was a PC Engine Duo. Uh, and it got damaged in shipping, which sucks. You know, it's not my fault. It's not the buyer's fault. The buyer was very um, uh, responsive and, and totally cool about everything. He understood. Nice. Uh, so I had uh, I just put some emails out to a couple of people that I knew or sort of knew of in the UK. And I, I basically said, hey, can I hire you to fix this dude's thing so he doesn't have to send it all the way back and everything? Because that was a big part of the story. I missed he lives in the UK, not in the US. I gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah. A couple people didn't respond. A few people responded, um, you know, like a day later and said, absolutely no problem. You know, how could I help and everything? But one person who I'm obviously not going to name uh, basically responded and said they wouldn't help unless I put links to their store on my website. <laughs> So I was like, okay, that's not how I roll, uh, and I just ignored it, and I happened to be talking to Ash Evans, uh, Electron Ash, and uh, I just said, hey, man, you know, what do you think about this? And he's like, send it to me, I'll fix it. I was like, oh, no, how much would you charge? That's awesome to you. He's like, nah. And the dude 
not only did he fix it, he pl- he made a video of it um, so I could see what he did. You know, right. added like pointers for other people who uh, you know who ship these duos and have them break. So I just I, I wanted to do a public thank you for to Ash to, for sweeping in and, and taking care of that for me. And uh, I'm not sure if he's going to get embarrassed that I'm calling him out for helping, but uh, <laughs> I just wanted to do a, a happy story after the other thing because it's like it's so good to know that the retro gaming community is pretty tight and that the very low amount of uh, I mean. The, the less than one percent of the assholes that are out there, right, the right. rest of us totally just pick up and go from that. So uh, I just I don't know. I wanted to tell a happy story and thank you to Ash, obviously, and to the buyer who got the uh, the PC Engine Duo. It's uh, it's mint now. It has one of the Voltar boards in it. it did a full cap replacement. So nice, yeah. good to go. Yep. Next up, Mike Chi just posted another video on his RetroTINK products. Um, this one's the RetroTINK Ultimate that has all of the outputs. Uh, and I, I just, I love that people are, are, are really jumping on this and trying to make something of it. So um, the RetroTINK is a device that plugs onto a Raspberry Pi. Uh, and that allows you to output um, RGB, component video, and uh, I think his might do VGA as well. And that way you could, with a small little change in code, you could use these emulators in their original resolutions. So um, I, I love that so many different people have jumped on this. And uh, I, keep, I keep trying to get Mike on for an interview, but I want to make sure that I, I have something to show for it beforehand. You know, it's, so it's, it's my fault, not Mike's, that we haven't done an interview <laughs> yet. But I mean, this thing, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of emulation um, uh, for, for like hardcore gamers. I think it's amazing for testing. I think it's amazing for development. And but the one thing that I, I love is arcade games, because I mean uh, yeah. most of us can't fit a million arcade machines in our house. Do you have any arcades? Not at, no, like you said, I can't fit it at my house. I'm I'm lucky enough to uh, to have a spare key to Chris's arcade machines. <laughs> he has a little warehouse, so I go there and play them there. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I showed video of that and. Uh, and a, a few different things so yeah that's that's a great a great little arcade but you know to have to have a pc or or any device that outputs in the original resolution so you could plug it into a crt and be able to play the arcade games like that because all emulation all software emulation is going to have some lag but if you're playing it on a crt that's the only lag you have to deal with so right. it's not like um, you know three frames of lag on the Raspberry Pi and then another three on your flat screen, then it starts to get crappy. So if it's just you know one or two frames on the Raspberry Pi and then zero on your CRT, that's great. Um, and the RetroTINK products, um, like the the component video one, I think the video I'm going to do first because it's the easiest. Sorry for laziness. Um, is just his component video output one. So you could take a CRT that has component video in plug it all in and then play all of these arcade games in their original uh resolution yeah so it just it's it's good it's good stuff and there's other people's out there i'm talking specifically about the retro tank because there's a, a new update and a new video but um the one video i'll get to eventually is a shootout of all of them because they all approach things differently and I don't know that one would be higher video quality than others, although there might because of one thing. But, you know, one's got SCART output, one's VGA, one's got, you know, uh, BNC outputs. There, one allows you to plug in, like, a, a Sega Genesis arcade stick as the controller and a Neo Geo arcade stick. So the options are, are through the roof, but I can't yeah, wait to dig deeper. <laughs> choose whatever bells and whistles you want, basically, and narrow it down that way. Yeah, exactly. So uh, all that was, will be upcoming, and uh, hopefully I will find some time to do at least one of those videos so that I can get Mike on to, to interview him. Up next, Unseen has released a new version of the firmware for the GC Video Project, version 2.4, which adds support for upcoming dual output boards, so you could do analog and digital at the same time as well as brightness, contrast, uh, saturation controls. So um, just a quick rundown, because I talk about this a lot, but we do have a lot of new people watching. The GC video is designed by somebody called Unseen, who pretty much reverse-engineered the GameCube component video cables, um, and then he released the design to anybody who wants it, um, and that way people could make their own implementations of it. And there's now a couple of different plug-and-play models available. There's one that's going to be available soon-ish. Um, and 
this firmware just adds a few more features, but that new board that was, uh, there's a guy, Citrus 3000 PSI, Dan, uh, I guess, talked with him, so now you could have dual with one board, uh, HDMI output and analog video output, which that's oh, nice. the, uh, that's like the Twitch streamer's dream scenario right there. So zero lag, you could put your, you know, the RGB out right into your RGB monitor, um, and then stick the HDMI out into your capture card, and that's like everything you could ask for all in one little package. So yeah, and it probably costs you less than uh, the official GameCube <laughs> controllers. That oh are, yeah, yeah, that is I think the thing too. Well over a hundred dollars. Oh, I've seen them go as high as three hundred bucks um, for. I think they were still in the box or something. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's insane. And these these are better because anytime you go digital to digital with no analog conversion in there, you get the you know it's all ones and zeros, so you get the exact signal that the console is generating. And anytime you put analog in the mix, if you're going to a like a, a, even the best of the best RGB monitors, you get no interference. But as soon as you start passing that analog signal through digital devices like capture cards, flat screens, you can see a difference. I, I think any of my EE friends that are watching this are probably face palming right now. That was a gen- general explanation of analog video, <laughs> but. But yeah, I'm excited because I'm really glad Unseen's keeping this up. It was, uh, you know, amazing of him to just donate this to the community and seeing all the different people jump on for the different solutions. Yeah. Um, and a, a quick, a small teaser. Um, Dan sent me one of his do-it-yourself ones, and there will be no uh, GameCubes ruined with this one. It is pretty freaking awesome. So I'll, I'll have a video on that soon, hopefully. Nice. Up next, I saw a video on YouTube of the SNES Pie. I actually think Renee sent me this one. Uh, and it's basically a guy that... He took what a lot of other people were doing and put it up to ludicrous speed. Uh, he took 3D-printed <laughs> mini SNESes. So not the SNES Classic, just you know a 3D print design of a, a little bit a little case, mini yeah. SNES. Uh, which I have one for my Raspberry Pi. And I thought I was the coolest kid on the block when I got mine until I saw this thing. Because he didn't just print something in the shape of a SNES. There's movable parts. He integrated everything into it. I think even the, there's like a lever. Like I, I was absolutely blown away. And then I saw this guy's channel and he does a lot of stuff like this. So uh, I just wanted to make sure to promote that for him. Because, I mean, that's <laughs> like... When you get to that level, it's no longer about anything retro gaming. It's a fucking work of art. <laughs> like the guy's got a, a talent... So. Well, it always ends up with people that make stuff like that. Like, you'll see the 3D printed cases, and people will be like, that's cool. And they'll be like, oh, does the buttons work? They always want more. And it's like, no. So it's right. good that he took it to the next level. It was like, yeah, it actually, this all works. <laughs> I love that stuff. All my extreme nerds, keep it going. Up next, it looks like Saint's making some progress on the Jaguar SD cart, and uh, he's added CD support. So first, I got just a, like a quick mini apology. I talk about this almost every week, and it's not like Saint isn't like slipping me a hundred bucks to try to like promote his thing. <laughs> Enough people want it anyway. I just uh, they're really he really is making as much progress as I talk about. So now he's got a Jaguar ROM cart that um, uh, now it will emulate the CD drive, and you'll be able to play the CD games through it as well. Um, and he's even uh, he's even working on the little intricacies. So, like, if you have a Jag CD and you leave it plugged in, um, it'll work just like a Jag cart. So it'll boot to it, not the CD. But you know, so um, things like this. Like I, uh, you know, I, I'm very strange about the fact that even though I own ROM carts for every every console that I have, I always buy the games that are important to me. But there's a few exceptions, in my opinion. You know, I don't want to insult a retro game store uh, worker here, but um, <laughs> in my opinion, when you get to things like the Jaguar CD or um, uh, Neo Geo AES rare games, you're you're buying something to collect. You're not buying something Absolutely. to play. Which there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I am a game player, so for like while I would absolutely love to buy a Jaguar CD just to own it for no other reason than to tell people I own a Jaguar CD, so I am now the biggest loser on the planet. <laughs> like, I don't even care. I'd, I'd love to own one just for the fuck of it, but um, this is the type of thing where if there is a Jaguar CD game that's pretty good, I'm, I'm just going to play it through this and mess with it, because I'm not into the collecting some of the weird stuff. Unless I get mm-hmm. extra money, unless it really hits home, but 
now people who want to buy this could actually experience these games. And much like illegally downloading music, I've had the opposite happen so often. I've played games on a ROM car. I've, you know, downloaded music back when it was, uh, you know, Kazaa and Napster and all that shit. That's how old I am. And it's like discovering these things led me to actually love it and then go buy it. My favorite band, I stole their first three albums, loved them so much that I bought every album, seen them live 23 times. Like, nice. you know, <laughs> so I feel like ROM carts would, in many cases, actually really promote the sales of these games. Um, we well, even, too, like getting Sega CD, not Sega, I'm stuck in Sega CD, Jaguar CD consoles that actually work. Um, even like sometimes you'll get them through the store and it's just so hard to get them to boot then you can't even play any of these games that you're collecting so coming out with that is just an easier way to experience it yeah i I could not agree more like there there are a couple of rare games that i have that i spent a lot of money on or like one outrun 3d from brazil my buddy kenji got me like i loved it i put it in i played it from the car you know this is great but when i want to go back and replay that i play it on the rom cards i don't want to take that freaking rare thing out like what if something happens uh you know what if uh it gets somebody spills something what if it you know it just wears out over time like right right yeah i own it i paid the money for it so i you know it's all legit but I will play it on the ROM card just so I don't have to worry about it. So. That's what, one of my friends who is a big, big collector, and he has a huge Neo Geo collection, Sega Saturn imports and all that, and he has a lot of those ROM carts where he doesn't want to keep taking the game off the shelf, taking it out of the box, putting it into the console, and risk damaging it. He's like, right. oh, I already have the game. It's just easier to play it this way, more accessible. Yeah, exactly. In fact, when I first started the website, I was hesitant to put the ROM cart page on because I want to support the community and all the, the awesome people that I've met that sell stuff. And my buddy Justin, a.k.a. the Goodwill Hunter, also from Milford, kind of by where you are. But uh, he um, he kind of laughed at that, like, no, <laughs> collectors are going to collect. There's nothing you could post about a ROM cart that's going to stop a collector from buying a game that they like. So I'm right, happy right. that there's, we get to have both. But... Yeah, I can't wait to try it out just because uh, there is one awesome game on the Jaguar, the Tempest. Um, but the last time I borrowed a Jaguar ROM car, I just kept it. I only had it for a day or two, and there was such a stark contrast of like, oh man, this is such a great hidden gem. <laughs> but on the other side of it, it's like, you know, wow, this is garbage. Like, I loved laughing at Atari carts, but Rayman played awesome. Like, way better than I could have expected. So, yeah, yeah. now people could experience that and then decide for themselves which ones uh, which ones they actually want to buy. Perfect. Rafnet just uploaded a new firmware for their Gen 3 and up architecture of things like the GameCube or N64 to USB adapters. So, um, for anybody that doesn't know, Rafnet Technologies, uh, he's the dude from Canada who made all of the really, really high-quality adapters to let you do things like play Nintendo controllers on GameCube or, you know, um, all of them on the Wii, which was amazing when the Virtual Console first came out because, you know, the, most people didn't want to play NES with the Wiimote sideways, so this, like... Right totally took care of it um and he truly understands things like uh how important it is to have low lag so i mean he really scrutinizes all this stuff he does great work so uh it's it's cool to see that not only is he continuing to make new products but he offers firmware updates for his existing you know i love to see when people do that um one question i do get all the time is uh at least once a month somebody will stumble across one of my pages about these and ask if I interview him. Uh, he hasn't responded to anything I've ever sent him on any platform. <laughs> so uh, maybe I pissed him off. Who knows? I had a big mouth. It's plausible. But um, if anybody is friends with him and he would like to do an interview, I'd love to have him on. If he doesn't want to do an interview, then I don't want to bother him. No offense. But uh, yeah, if anybody's friends with him, please let me know because it's a little weird. It's like the third time in two years that I've asked him and I just get nothing. So I would have, I almost would resp- uh, would prefer a response like, fuck you fatty, not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thanks for reading my email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, well. Now for some more SNES classic stuff. Uh, I think somebody has one. <laughs> Santa sent me one, I think. <laughs> that is awesome. You wrapped your own SNES classic. I think I think I can open it early since since you know we're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! 
Ah, uh, there you go. That's awesome. There it is, and it's small goodness. Yep. So I did a I did a mini review of it where I, I tested it. It's got um, just about two frames of lag, which is pretty much the same as using a SNES through a FrameMeister. Oh, okay. Um, I use it through an OSSC because uh, it's better. <laughs> not in all cases, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's it's not for everybody, but it's a damn good toy. So you know, guys like us that are hardcore gamers love it for the fun factor. Um, people that aren't hardcore gamers, uh, it's perfect. You know, um, it's but, a good throwback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but now it's hacked. So now you can put more games on it. And uh, I spoke to Firebrand X, and he said that the emulation's pretty decent, but there's games that turn out to be glitchy. So Space Megaforce has messed up sound. Super Street Fighter Two doesn't work at all. But stuff like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy Two do work. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I might. I still haven't actually gotten one. I went to Brooklyn Video Games and used theirs. Um, but uh, I would probably like to get one that's been hacked just to have a fun toy laying around. So who knows? Maybe if uh, someone got theirs like with the box was destroyed in shipping and they they bought another one. Like I'll take console only real cheap if you're just selling it. But um, I think they're going to be in stock everywhere pretty soon. I think Nintendo was pretty hell bent on trying to get the eBay scalpers down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, most of the stores I talked to said, you know, they got 50, 60 consoles in, rather than when the NES Mini came out, it was like 10 per store. And they're like, yeah, we're definitely getting more shipments in. We just don't know when, but definitely a restock a few times before Christmas. So it's like, just wait, people chill out. Don't go buying it on eBay for $200 or 150 It's like, they're going to be in the store. Just spend the $80. <laughs> yep. So the thing about the SNES Classic that definitely intrigued me was the Star Fox 2 finished, finalized ROM, whatever you want to say. Official from Nintendo, I guess. <laughs> right. So um, a little birdie who may or may not have been a character on Lost emailed me the ha- or the dumped version of the ROM, like the second it hit the, uh, the internet. So I immediately went to uh, Retro Circuits, who I got my shit from, and asked them if they would hook me up with adding it to my carts. So um, I got my Super FX cart that I got from them. Uh, nice. And yes, it's got a beveled edge on the side and everything for all of my uh, my hardware nerd friends. Uh, they're well built. Um, and this has every FX game on it, which is a little silly because I actually own every FX game, but fuck it, I'd rather use this one. It glows when you plug it in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and he put the, the updated version of Star Fox 2 on here that is the final. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also got, from also from Retro Circuits, uh, once again, also the you know PCB is correct and everything, the Star Fox Legacy Collection. So this has Star Fox 1, Star mm-hmm. Fox 2, and then the Star Fox Super Weekend, which was that competition thing they did for... Oh, uh, that's thing. right. Um, but I asked for this one to be overclocked. Uh, and it's kind of neat to play it a little bit faster. Um, so the the difference, though, and I think a misconception with a lot of the FX overclocking, I spoke to the real Phoenix, who is a, a hacker that's a hacker, I don't know, a developer. Developer is a nice <laughs> word. He does a lot of great work uh, and a lot of great ROM work. He's got a channel and everything on YouTube if anybody's interested. Um, but what he basically explained to me, which uh, I didn't, like I didn't really grasp was that when you overclock this, mm-hmm. you're not getting a faster frame rate. Um, the way it's working is the game is actually just playing a little bit faster. So um, it's uh, it's frame based. That means delta time is fixed, is what he said in his email. So now we're getting to the software development where it's a, uh, not. Uh, I would even wouldn't even call myself a beginner. Uh, I'm less than a beginner. <laughs> um, so it's not gonna uh, it's not gonna speed up the frame rate, but it does speed up the game a little bit. But it's still mm-hmm. freaking awesome to have. So I, I love that there's these choices. Um, anybody that wants to buy one, um, I don't I don't know them personally, but I bought a bunch of stuff of them uh, from Retro Circuits over the years, and it all works perfect. Um, but yeah, I was just really intrigued by all that, and I I think one day because I'm a freak and I like these things, I might even order a cart kind of like this that has uh, all of the different versions of Star Fox 2 on it, you know, because there was a few floating around over the internet over the years, um, just just for fun. 
Did you play through Star Fox 2? I didn't. Um, one of my friends was telling me, though, that you have to be one level in Star Fox 1 for it to unlock for you to play Star Fox 2, I guess. I guess you can't just go straight to Star Fox 2. Oh, on the classic. <laughs> on the classic. Oh, so. I, I thought, for half a second, I thought you meant these. I'm like, <laughs> Russ, I thought Wait. you were drinking water. Is there vodka in there? <laughs> but yeah, I, ne- I never picked up one of the, uh, you know, reproduction carts of Star Fox 2. A few of my friends do make carts and, and whatnot, and I know it was a lot involved to making a Star Fox 2 reproduction cart, and that's why, you know, they cost so much when you had to purchase them because they had to use an expensive donor cart, I believe. Um, well, I think you could just use Stunt Race FX, but I think the, the where the cost comes in is you'll see pictures on the internet. You'll, uh, there's even a couple of, um, of infamous ones of, like, a rat's nest of wires and then, like, a of hot glue on top of it, which... Yeah. <laughs> um, but guys like Retro Circuits, and uh, I think there was... God, I'm drawing a blank now, but there was three or four other guys that actually made... Um, blank circuit boards. I actually think Retro Circuit sells a blank circuit board to make your own. So mm-hmm. rather than hacking and cutting and putting a shitload of wires in, you could actually take the FX chip out, put it on this board, solder that board in. It's a really elegant solution. But it obviously costs more than a rat's, net of, rat's nest of wires. <laughs> so um, that's where a lot of the cost comes in. Having stuff like a really nice you know, uh, getting a really nice label printed and then having a, mm-hmm. a clear cart that glows. I mean, that, that's all where all the cost is. And the fact that no ROM carts play FX games, you know, you're kind of, you have no other choice. So Right. But, um, and uh, the, the last thing for uh, SNES Classic stuff is I think somebody is actually running the SNES Classic Mini emulator on a Raspberry Pi. So, oh, okay. Uh, Victor sent me this in. I haven't had a chance to try it yet. I think it'd be really freaking fun. Um, but just because I'm a nerd and this is how I get my enjoyment, I would love to do a lag test of the SNES Classic and then do another lag test of it, of that emulator running on the Raspberry Pi and see yeah, if yeah, there's yeah. actually a difference. Because <laughs> if not, maybe I would just load that on the Raspberry Pi and see what happens. But That's I, it. I, know, I love all this crap. <laughs> So last week I did a live stream with Voltar, which we basically went through and did some more one-chip SNES revision testing. Um, and the video's up there, uh, but it's not a, uh, an edited video. It's literally three hours of us you know, working in real time. So it's filled with, hold on, one more second, I'll show it, hold on, I'll get it. <laughs> you know, sorry about that, but I love the live stream stuff because I love the uh, when the people in chat get involved and stuff like that, but... Uh, we proved what we've been saying for years. We proved it without a, a shadow of a doubt so uh, people could finally stop arguing. Um, the one chips, uh, so when I say one chip, I'm talking about the, the big fat SNESs that we all know and love that have the one chip dash 01, 02, or 03 revisions. Um, each one of those uh, is pretty much identical in its output. Now, it's every hardware electronics has its own hardware tolerances. So if you bought a hundred one chip O one, a hundred one chip O two, and a hundred one chip O three and did tests, you'd find that they're all the same. But very often, well, I mean, they all average out to the same. Mm-hmm. But very often, somebody will buy an O two and an O three, and the O two will look better, and they'll go, "Hey, O twos look better." No, every component on there has a tolerance range. Every console, these are twenty five, thirty year old consoles. So we proved that, and we also proved that if you do the bypass, so you uh, you don't use the SNES's built-in video chip, you put in a separate amp. If you use an amp that's built correctly, all of the one-chip versions will look identical, and the Mini will also look identical to all of them. So now there's four choices that if you put this one specific amp in, it all works perfect. Uh, but no matter what, if you use the encoder that's on there, it's a little noisier. My uh, completely non-electrical engineering theory is just the way the board's made. It's a well-built board, but every line on a board is like an antenna radiating signals. So maybe it's just because the one-chip board's bigger. Who knows? But um, you need an external amp to get it perfect, whereas on the Mini, you could use its own. So I think, what, that was two minutes to summarize three hours in that live stream (laughs) and six years of my life testing SNES Minis. 
So I love that we finally proved it. We have the screenshots, um, and I'm sure somebody will follow up soon with uh, scope captures and stuff. But, uh, yeah, um, at the shop, do you guys uh, put one chips aside, or do you uh, do you open all the SNESs when they come in? I can't say that we do. Um, I know <laughs> you came through a few times and wanted to check them out, and I have no problem, you, you know, going through whichever ones we have on there because we we sell them for the same price, uh, you know, the regular NES, uh, SNESs, and then the minis, um, I believe, are a little bit more just because no one really trades those in. You don't see them quite as often, much like right. the top loading NES. Right, but uh, just a you know a shameless plug for all of you guys. Um, not to backhand, not a backhanded slap in the face of the game stores I have not been to, but the ones I, I frequent all the time are Retro Games Plus, Brooklyn Video Games, and Digital Press Games in Jersey. And you're all very far away from each other, so it's not like I'm talking about competition. <laughs> uh, but you know, minis are always going to be more expensive than regulars, which is fine. But all the prices are fair. I walked into a couple of game stores where a mini was one hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! Yeah, I, <laughs> I just was like, "Holy shit, really?" <laughs> it's like, is it complete in box? Because I right. mean, that's totally different. No, and it had like one of those, you know, ghetto ass eight dollar Amazon AC adapters with it. So I was like, "Holy crap!" So <laughs> third party controller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I do think that's something you guys should do is try to find the one chips because there's a lot of us out there that are really trying to look for one, and there's no solid two chip mod yet. And when that eventually does come out, it's only going to be on a small range. It's not going to be on every other one. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, I do have a very clear memory of going into your store one time and just saying, like, look, I'm so sorry to be a pain in the ass. Is there any way I could open it up? And there was a, you know, a new kid working there. And he kind of, uh, and he looked at you and you're like, no, 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 he does that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just gave you the screwdriver. I'm just yeah, like, here you go. <laughs> He'll be fine. He'll clean up his own mess. Don't worry about it. I'm just like, I'm sorry. So, you know, it was, it was a one chip. So there you go. And in fact, I'm pretty positive. Uh, it's one of the ones that was used in the testing. So you are contributing to the greater good of us nerds. <laughs> there we go. All right. So before the Q and A's, Hey, do we have a visitor back there? <laughs> I got Lino hanging out over here and then Penny's walking around. <laughs> All I saw was just a tail in the video. So like, that's either a really cute cat or you have an alien in your, in your room. Um, before we get to uh, the Q&As, um, last, mo- or last month, last week, I did a Patreon drawing that may or may not have come out right. So uh, I immediately posted on the Patreon page, thanks to Nick from HD Retrovision, who trolled the shit out of me until I looked into it, um, and I just did a second Patreon drawing just to make sure that it didn't get screwed up, um, and I even showed the process of how I do the drawing. Um, so once again, I, uh, I the second drawing was for the HD Retrovision cables, uh, and once again, one of the people that got it just so happened to already have a complete setup and didn't need them. So rather than take them and scalp them on eBay like a dirt bag, he very politely declined them. And I'm starting to realize that may not have been the best giveaway because a lot of my Patreons probably already have a lot of this equipment. Uh, but I'm going to try one more time and redo it. But on the request of High Juice, Mike, um, <laughs> he said, oh, one request is that you tease Nick and Steve on Tuesday that you can't even give these things away. So there you go, guys. You can't even give away your piece of shit cables, even when they're not in stock. So screw you guys, and I'm going to try one last time to give them away to people, and hopefully it'll be to people that actually, uh, you know, that would really need them in their setup. So thanks again, Mike, for uh, for being honest about that. It's really cool, because these things are amazing, you know, if you put them to the right use. So uh, let's do a Patreon drawing once again, and I'm going to do it right this time. There's a video linked below just to show you how I do it. Okay, here it is. The final drawing for the HD Retrovision cables. I hope this goes to people that really need it because uh, they're amazing in the right scenario. So here we go. I hope Nick wins it. No, Matthew CV. So uh, Matthew CV, um, I hope you could use these things. Uh, I love mine. I actually have my Genesis hooked up through them through the o- uh, OSSC right now. So congratulations and uh, thanks to everybody who donates to the Patreon. Um, and I, I really hope that uh, even though last week may or may not have been a screw up, I hope that the follow up videos and the giveaways uh, show that it really matters to me. This isn't a joke or anything. This is 
you know, I do appreciate the shit out of all you guys. So, Matthew Seavey, um, yeah, congratulations. All right, on to the Q&As. I'm actually going to start it the same way I started it last week, uh, by apologizing to Dave from Western Arcades. Uh, last week, or, or two weeks ago, I talked about getting the MVS machine with a ruptured disc in my back, and I was really just concentrating on staying out of pain and doing the, you know, doing the podcast, and I completely forgot to thank Dave for sending me World Heroes 1 and 2 so I could have games to play on it. And then last week, like a total fucking moron, I called him Dan. <laughs> So I know on this channel, everybody loves laughing at me when I mispronounce uh, names, which please do. I never mind when people laugh at me. But how how did I fucking do that one? So I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> I am a complete moron. I can't believe I called you Dan after you did something really nice. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad it gave you a bit of a chuckle because, uh, wow, what a fucking moron. Next for the Q&As, Electron Ash, the same guy that swooped in and saved the day with my PC Engine Duo, posted in regards to that vector monitor conversion kit. So apparently a Vectrix FPGA core uh, is already out there, so people could actually make themselves a Vectrix built into a TV. And for anybody that didn't see last week's episode, uh, there's a kit for sale that's really complicated, but you could take almost any tube TV and convert it into a color vector monitor. So I love <laughs> stuff like this. I uh, I imagine this would be like a full massive project, but I, if if somebody around the New York area does one of these, please let me know because I would love to go do it in person. And if there's a way to integrate an FPGA thing right into it, so you could literally just have like a twenty twenty four inch Vectrix color Vectrix or something, <laughs> I think that'd be awesome. I want to see Star Wars Arcade on there. I want to see all the great Vectrix games. Uh, do you have any of that, in, uh, or does Chris have any of those in the arcade? He has Star Wars, right? I believe he has Star Wars. Um, and then I haven't seen, you know, one of the consoles come through in in ages. We have a bunch of games in our showcase right now, mm-hmm. uh, and even at our Newington location, we had a bunch boxed games, box oh, wow. games, and that was cool. I never seen the boxes on them before. Um, really neat. But I haven't seen the console in forever, and I don't know if we're going to have one in the free play area at retro world expo or not um i think it was on the fence because we're going to have a jaguar there and a few other obscure consoles like that but that'd be pretty cool to play let me talk to some people and maybe we could bring one up and and, uh, donate it for the weekend or something um vectrixes are are getting more expensive and you know they're they're old consoles my buddy matt actually uh he works on them as a hobby and he he worked on mine which was nuts i mean it looked like you know it looked like the circuit board at one point was submerged underwater like things were bubbling up and stuff and it's uh mm-hmm. it's really hard to keep these things alive forever so conversion kits fpga cores this is the only way you know our grandchildren will be able to experience these and I'm not just being super nerdy here. I mean, it's just for anybody that's, especially anybody younger that grew up only really knowing flat screens, you mm-hmm. know, to see a really high end tube TV in an arcade game is great. But then to go see a vector arcade game, like it's a completely different look and it's never really been done since. So stuff like this, uh, I hope it's preserved forever. So next up, uh, JNF Tech um, has questioned the pronunciation of Satiator, Satiator, whatever it is, the really awesome plug-and-play thing that's coming out for the Saturn that allows you to not have any hacking whatsoever but be able to play games off of an SD card. have an awesome interview with him a while back. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that anything that I call it's wrong, because <laughs> I always do, but Satiator seems like it would match because of saturn right right more more of the saturn and it's sad (laughs) theater yeah so i don't know it's a good one but uh i'll talk to uh i'll talk to professor abrasive again and maybe he'll uh he'll come back and say it with his uh his smooth sounding australian accent (laughs) (laughs) next ot4 uh was asking about bordy's new n64 board uh, the one that outputs RGB, VGA, and component, and has all his awesome de-blur features and everything. Uh, he said, so with the N64 board, N64 board, I can play every game with 480p, right? Every game? Um, saying every game's a little 
a little rough, man. There's certain scenarios where you can't play a game on a stock something. Uh, but I believe that the way Bordy has it set up is, yes, um, if you want, you could take his board, uh, set it to output VGA or, I believe, 480p component with his line doubler and be able to play in 480p. Um, and maybe one or two games might glitch out, but overall I would actually think that uh, it's just it's a, a solution that kind of takes care of everything. So, um, and, you know, he, uh, he also, uh, you know, talks about different HD remakes, everything else, but he wants to play the originals. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Sometimes, like, uh, Wonder Boy, a dragon's trip. Hold on. <laughs> Wonder Boy, a dragon's trap. For, like, yeah, I want to play the remake. I don't want to play the original ever again. Um, AM2R over the original Metroid 2? Yes, but that's not the norm. That's the exceptions to the rules. How about you? Do you have any remakes that uh, that you like better than the original? Um, I tried playing through, I guess, I forget the actual name of it, but it's the one of the for Castlevania 2. Okay. And they... They switched um, a lot of the dialogue, so it's actually helpful. Um, and they sped up. Are you up. the fan hack for Ness? Um, I'm not sure because it came out, I believe, on like you know carts and stuff like that. They they sped up like the night to day. Um, yeah, that was the fan hack, I believe, and that that yeah, that's the only way to play it now. <laughs> in fact, in my opinion, I mean that's lately um at, you know when i first got rom carts we were just talking about this before but when mm-hmm. i first got rom carts it was let me play all the games that are a thousand dollars and that i've never played before yeah, yeah, yeah. and that lasted like a weekend um this <laughs> this is the stuff that keeps me going back this and not wanting to play my expensive carts but like you know right. all these different things where they go back and, and retranslate to the proper translation and everything else like yeah hell yeah but i, I think we're talking more like the official you know, actual HD remake of a game, so where they rebuild I gotcha. it from scratch and everything. So it's essential, like the uh, Resident Evil on GameCube, right? Remake right. of the original of that, which I heard they're making two, Resident Evil two. I heard. Oh yeah. Hmm. So that'd be cool to. Well, I mean, might as well do them all because <laughs> people love the Resident Evil games. Yeah, just throw Actually, an HD um, remake on it. Carsey, Carcinogen, a buddy of mine, he does, uh, uh, he streams that all the time on Twitch. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. I like him. There's a bunch of Twitch streamers that I'm starting to follow now, and you know, uh, I didn't really get it at first. I know this is a really stupid and naive thing to say, by the way, but I didn't, I didn't really get it. I was like, do I sit in front of my computer for four hours and watch this dude? And for some games, yeah, I mean, some of the the speed runs, yeah, I'm a little bit fascinated by. But yeah. like very often now, I'll put him on like alongside while I'm working on something, and just kind of, you know, when something interesting happens, I'll turn my attention. Kind of like the way most of us used to listen to the radio. And if you were um, under 25, radio is a thing where you used to turn on your car and have to dial a little diddle thingy in order to to pull radio waves out of the air and listen to music that you didn't really want to listen to anyway. Sums it up. <laughs> and filled with a lot of commercials. Lots of commercials. <laughs> Next, Adam Fowler had a question, kind of um, a little bit about what we talked about before. He has a question on GameCube, and uh, was wondering if he has an official component cable. Is an NTSC GameCube better to get more 480p games? He also runs Swiss for the Game Boy interface. Um, all run through the FrameMeister. So uh, if you're in... North America, uh, just, yeah, definitely get an NTSC. If you're not in North America, I have, um, you know, I've done some testing with this, and I've had mixed results. So I've been able to force a lot of games to 480p with a mod chip. Um, and with Swiss is a little uh, easier if you have both a mod chip and Swiss. But to be honest, uh, that's a great question, and I know... You know, my knowledge of a lot of these NTSC consoles, I, I don't want to call myself an expert because then I sound a little bit snotty, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know a shitload about SNES, NTSC SNESs. Let's just put it that way. Um, but as far as PAL consoles, though, my knowledge is little. Um, do you Have you ever played with that, like running multi-region stuff or anything? I, I can't say that I have, and we don't get a lot of that stuff traded into the game stores. It would be like, you know, one console here and there a year. We had a few... Playstations uh, that came in, um, but I can't say I've seen any, uh, you know, Super Famicoms or anything that wasn't the NTSC, you know, region there. Gotcha. 
So I'm sorry, Adam. That's a, I, I think that's a great question. I just uh, hopefully the GameCube experts in will post down below. What I will say um, that I have a ton of experience with is if you have a PAL GameCube and you want to run the Game Boy interface software. So that's that uh, Extrems on the uh, the GC forums has actually written, rewritten the uh, from scratch the Game Boy Player software. So there, you know you could have different versions with uh, ultra low lag, ultra low latency, and just it's the only way to use it. I just don't even use the original disc anymore. But um, for that. Yeah, on a, it, it seems to be perfect on a PAL console. The only weirdness that I do get is on an NTSC flat screen. Um, during the boot menus, I don't get any video, and then when it gets into Swiss, then I do. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. But other than that, um, I wish I had the answer, because it's a good question. Uh, in the last QA, Atomizer Zero asked, uh, something I would love to hear about is SCART splitters. Being the UK, SCART is everywhere, but there's pretty much no easy or cheap way to split RGB SCART without signal degradation. So, um, great question, and i got to get a little bit nerdy for it. So I'll skip to the end and say, uh, no, there isn't an easy way. Uh, the G-SCART Switch Lite is the uh, best one-stop solution for this, and I believe pre-orders are coming back up soon. But here's the deal. When you have analog signals like this, if you just use a basic splitter, uh, which very often is almost like using a Y cable, so there's no circuitry mm-hmm. involved at all, um, the, the literal effect is your screen's dim and there's artifacts, but what you're actually doing is drawing twice as much of that current away from the console. Once again, my electrical engineer friends are facepalming right now, but when, uh, you know, all of these video signals have voltage going through them, and they, they're designed to be run a very specific way, ones and zeros, just like I talked about in the opening rant here. Like, there is no, there is a tolerance level, but there's no gray area. So when you connect two displays up to one output, um, you could, you're definitely going to get signal issues, and you could definitely damage some uh, equipment. So maybe your console, maybe something else. You'll certainly wear it. I blew up a SNES doing this. I actually blew up a <laughs> SNES doing this for the re- the first um, Retro World Expo, where I was trying to to pull like five different signals from the same SNES for a demonstration, um, and then eventually it just gave out and the video chip died. So while I'm not I'm not implying that bad SCART splitters will kill your console instantly like I did. Uh, you need something where it takes the video signals into an amplifier, and then on the other end of that amplifier, you send it to two signals because there's different ways to build that correctly. So there's your console that you're plugging in just thinks it's plugging into something. There's no difference. And then your two output sources are actually getting the correct signal. And Jose from iFix Retro does this for their candy cabs. So they have um, their arcade board in the middle, that's going to uh, an Extron VGA splitter, uh, distribution amp, sorry. Um, And then obviously this all uh, requires custom cables and stuff. And then the outputs of that go to each side of the dual cab and then the capture card. Actually, I think he goes into an OSSC and then a capture card. Um, By doing it that way, not one thing is drawing more than it should. So everything looks good and everything um, everything's run properly. So that's a great question, and that's why I kind of scoff at some of those things like the Otaku Switch, uh, which, um, while it has dual outputs, and you, I mean, using one at a time should be fine. To plug two things into it, it's the same thing. So uh, yeah, sorry to nerd out a little bit, but that's that's exactly what it is with analog signals. And with HDMI, there's the handshake, so you can't just cut and split wires, you actually need a, a digital chip in the middle saying you know, hi, I'm the middleman. you go this way you go that way, so once again, all my really technical friends are like, oh Bob, you're such a dork <laughs> alright well Russ, thanks so much for coming on and doing this with me, I know I, I probably talked over you a couple times, sorry about that but uh, <laughs> I just, I wanted to get you on I'm a fan of your channel, I'm obviously a huge fan of, uh, you know, Retro Games Plus and the Retro World Expo and I just wanted to make oh, yeah. a connection here for everybody so, um, even if I didn't give Russ much of a chance to, to talk hopefully <laughs> you'll get used to his, uh, his his shiny new beard and you'll That's go it. check out his channel and look at his stuff um, <laughs> what things do you have coming up in the future obviously we have the Retro World Expo coming out this Saturday and Sunday 
you yeah. have any uh, upcoming videos? Do you have a top ten hidden gems that you'll be posting soon? <laughs> no gems, no hidden gems on my channel. Um, <laughs> I got a few new series uh, I'm going to be working on. I wanted to do a new series called Quick Chat, where I just put out videos that are two to three minutes long, and I just talk about a quick hot topic or a question that maybe a viewer has. So it's something fast. You can just pull up a video. Maybe you're waiting in line. Watch it quick. Rather than my vlog videos are usually 15 to 20 minutes, and you really have to sit down and block off some time to watch them. I want to also have shorter videos where people can watch them in short bursts. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I uh, I subscribe to your channel. I, I don't get to watch every one of them. Sorry, I just am fucking swamped lately. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. Um, I'm at your store every time I'm up in Connecticut these days, which uh, now that my doctor's in Connecticut, I'll be there reluctantly a lot more than I, I want to. I'm still vertical here. I'm not in the office. I'm still in my apartment trying to heal up. But uh, I guess I will leave everybody with a clip that I did with Lance Cortez, who you know. Um, it's uh, I did an interview with him last week. Nice. It was an awesome interview, and then I posted the interview, and for whatever crazy reason, uh, comments were disabled. So I didn't oh, realize weird. that until just actually just, just before we filmed this. I don't know. <laughs> I must have clicked something wrong. I don't know what it was. But So if you guys go to the video and there's no comments, it's not that people were interested enough to comment. It's that <laughs> somehow or another I clicked on something wrong. But uh, I really enjoyed talking to Lance. Um, I'm a fan of his videos. I'm positive you've seen a bunch of them. Um, and, uh, you know, they're on Amazon now, which is great for people that – because so many of us, right, like uh, – I mean, I don't mean to insult you because you're literally on my YouTube channel now, but <laughs> so many so many of us view YouTube as like, here's the thing that you watch here, and right. Amazon Prime Video, here's the thing that you watch on your couch. And a lot of the retroware videos, you know, the video game years, fits perfectly with that. You know, it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll, I'll put the link to the Amazon thing down below as well as Lance's uh, interview. I hope everybody checks it out, but... Uh, here's a clip. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. I'll see you soon, Russ. Thanks so much for taking the time to do Absolutely. this. Absolutely. All right. Take care, guys. It's so weird where I get fanboyish over the most random things. And when I met Daniel Pacino, when I heard he was going to be there, I was like, oh, neat. You know, I'd love to get a picture. And I saw him standing there. And I'm like, I wonder if he's going to do a split and punch me in the balls. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, I just got a little fanboyish. And he was super, super nice. Really, really yeah. good dude. So I mean, um, you know, it's for, for anybody who knows of me, uh, knows my work on RetroWare, huge, huge Mortal Kombat fan. Uh, that's That's my favorite game of all time. Um, so last year, um, you know, I went out and I, I knew people who knew him, um, over in Chicago. So I'm like, you know, doing this, I'm doing this expo. Let me see if I can get something going. So I did reach out to my buddy, um, and he put me in contact with, with Daniel and, um, you know, super eager to come, um, and super polite and had no issues. Uh, but like you, when it came, to, I think it was, it was Saturday. Um, it, towards the end of the day, it was getting a little lighter at the show, and I'm just sitting with Danny Messina at his booth. We're just kind of like talking, you know, just kind of like talking about our lives, talking about you know a little about our backgrounds, and we're just chilling. I'm like, I'm chilling with Johnny Cage right now. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely, so, absolutely. He uh, um, he signed a picture for me. It's something like.